0: Welcome to Your Wealth, Your Legacy, a podcast by Prairie Wood Wealth Management, where we cover the latest in investment, tax, estate, and charitable giving strategies to help you keep more of what you make, make more with what you have, and create a legacy that lasts beyond your lifetime. Thanks for listening. We're glad you're here. Here are your hosts, Nathan Anderson and Steve Nelson.
1: Welcome to another episode of Your Wealth, Your Legacy. I'm your host, Nathan Anderson, here with my co-host, Steve Nelson. Welcome, Steve. Yeah, very excited to be here. Today's topic is investing during times of uncertainty. You look around the world today and there's a war between Russia and Ukraine. Inflation's over 8% and gas and food prices are up considerably. And I think there's just a lot of uncertainty in the world. And it's very common for investors and families to wonder... You know how do we best navigate this and and how do we handle it from an investing perspective? You know let's start out with just general thoughts about uncertainty. Steve, give us give us kind of your take about investing and uncertainty. Is it unusual? you know how how should investors be thinking about it? Well, there's always uncertainty
2: with the stock market. You know sometimes there's more uncertainty than others, but it's it's definitely not unusual to have uncertainty. There can always be something that's concerning to investors
1: you know, historically you look at the markets and it's about one out of every four years that the market's down. So three out of four, it's up. Um, sometimes it's up more than others, obviously, but over time the market has gone up considerably. Now, you look back over that time frame. there's always been concerns, always been worries, but generally if you think about what the market's made up of, it's made up of businesses that are, that are operating to make a profit generally over that time period, they've been profitable and generated positive returns for their investors. You know, one thing that I saw this stat that I thought was really, really interesting, it was looking at bear markets, so markets that are down versus bull markets, so markets that are doing really well. And over time, the average bull markets lasted a little bit over five years, whereas the average bear market's been between one and two years. And the interesting thing was on the, on the down years or, or during the bear markets, the average correction in the market was just under 40% whereas the average returns from the bull markets were were over 200%. And so that's not to say that that's always going to hold true in the future and that every bull and bear market is necessarily that. But it just goes to point out that it's far more important to be in the market when it's going up than to avoid the down markets. You can get hurt a lot more by not participating when it's going up.
2: Yeah, it reminds me of the the famous quote by Peter Lynch who said, far more has been lost by investors preparing for market corrections than actually has been lost in the corrections themselves.
1: Yeah, historically for people who are committed to their investment plan and stick with it over the long term, the market's recovered and, and they've done, done very well. It's the people that jump off and jump out of the market that, that lock in their losses. So let's, let's move on to you know, some of the common responses. I mean, it, it's very natural for people when there's uncertainty and volatility in the markets to start asking questions and to be concerned. What are some of the most common responses or questions that we hear from investors?
2: Well, Yeah, I think it depends on each investor. It's very natural for people to have questions when they see their 401k or their investment accounts declining in value. Typically we spend a lot of time up front with our clients to educate them and explain, you know, how to be a long-term investor and deal with the uncertainty. But for the average investor out there, you know, there's all kinds of responses. Typically I think what we hear most is should I sell my investments, my equities and go to cash?
1: Yeah, and I think that's like you said, a very common question, and I think it's driven from the idea that people are really looking for security, especially when they're looking at their their lifelong you know, assets and savings that that are there for retirement. And I think the important thing to think about is that what people really want is security. They want to make sure that they're secure and they're taken care of and they're protected for the future. And going to cash might provide certainty, you know, knowing what the outcome is, but it doesn't necessarily provide security. You know, when you think about about cash, if you hold cash for a long period of time, you know that in the future, you're going to have that same amount of, of dollars available to you. But what you don't know is what those dollars will actually buy. Cause you don't know what the, what the purchasing power is going to be. And currently, you know, we just saw in the last month or so inflation year over year, tick up over eight and a half percent, which basically means that anybody who's holding cash is going to realize a significant purchasing power loss by holding that cash over time. If you look back to 1980 through 2021, the value of a $1 dollar in 1980 was only worth 28 cents at the end of 2021. So that's a 72% reduction in value. That's basically a loss of economic value for someone that held cash for that entire period of time. So selling equities to hold cash is putting you in a position to basically lock in a purchasing power loss, especially during inflationary times like we're seeing now.
2: So moving on, the second common response we hear is that the individual wants to buy gold to protect against inflation. Nathan, what do you think about gold as an investment or as an inflation hedge?
1: Well, it's very common for people to hear on the news or on various marketing channels that gold is a great in inflation hedge. If you look at the price of gold and go back to 1980 through 2021, the same same period we just talked about, if you'd invested gold at the beginning of 1980 and held it all the way through the end of 2021, you'd have realized you know a little bit over a three times return. So your one dollar would have turned into um, a little bit over three dollars. If you look at inflation over that same time period, you would need $3 and 63 cents to equal and buy what $1 would have bought in 1980. So gold really hasn't quite kept up with inflation. It's done better than just holding cash, but it certainly hasn't provided real growth and real value over that time period. And if you look at shorter periods of time within that stretch, gold itself really hasn't tracked inflation very well. So there's been inflationary periods when, when gold hasn't really increased. And then there's been periods when inflation has been moderate and gold has increased substantially. So there's a lot of tracking error between gold and inflation, and it's certainly not, in my opinion, as good of an inflation hedge as many people make it out to be.
2: Yeah, I would agree with those comments, and I think holding productive assets is a is a far better approach.
1: and productive assets being you know stocks and real estate and, and assets that actually produce cash flow, you know you might have a gold coin or a, a block of gold, but it really doesn't produce anything. The only value it has is what somebody else will pay you for it. I would much rather hold an asset that if nobody paid me anything for it could continue to generate cash flow for me over time. So I think that leads us to the, the third question that we get a lot, which is just generally, should I time the market? And by timing the market, what I mean is, you know, an investor trying to sell before a correction happens and then buy back in before the market recovers. You know, that's a very common misconception I think that investors have that that's, you know, a possible or reasonable strategy. Um Steve what are your thoughts about timing the market? What do we see? What does the research tell us?
2: Yeah, it's a very common misconception that individuals have and really it doesn't work. You have to be right twice. You know, you have to be you have to know when to get out and then equally you have to know when to get back in. And being right twice is very hard.
1: And I think an important point to make is you're fighting against the natural trend of the market. I mean, you look at the market over time, the market generally goes up. And so you have, to be, you have to be specifically right on your timing. You can't be just generally close. I mean, if you, if you sell and let's say the market does eventually correct, but it appreciates a significant amount in between, the correction might not even be enough to get to the point where you sold out at. And so you're, you're fighting against the general trend of the market if you're trying to time it.
2: And really the research shows that there's no market timers that have developed a long term track record of making good calls and beating the market.
1: Yeah, basically all the famous market timers called one event and haven't been tested over time. And then when you follow them for for many, many years, and if they keep continuing to make calls, they make very poor calls because identifying where the market's going to go in the short term is essentially an impossible task.
2: And I think where investors think they can do it is the media will portray the individuals that have had the one call and call them profits and they'll ignore the thousands that have made the wrong call and so you have this perception that it it can be done and and the research shows it can't
1: and the media is not helpful at all anyway because basically they make their money based on ratings and it's very very boring to say hold your assets don't sell be a long-term investor nobody wants to watch that it's not something that causes people to return and watch the same show day after day after day And so, you know, financial media ultimately makes it more difficult for people to stick to their plan and ultimately do what's in their best interest.
2: then you can also look at the mutual fund flows. So mutual funds have to report how much money comes in and out. And year after year, after great performance, money comes in. And after the funds have gone down, money typically goes out.
1: Yeah, when you look at the performance of mutual funds themselves and compare that to the individual investors who are jumping in and out, the individual investors almost always underperform the performance of the fund strictly because they make very poor timing decisions. I mean, if you think about it, almost everybody wants to sell when things look their worst and everybody wants to buy when things look their best and Because of that, everybody's making the same decision at the same time and driving prices down when they're selling and pushing prices up when they're buying. And that's the exact effect that leads to underperformance and and buying at exactly the wrong time and selling at exactly the wrong time. I think another thing to think about with market timing is the risk of missing the best days in the market. There's been a lot of research on how missing the best days in the market ultimately impacts your total return. And I think the most recent number I saw, you know, looking over a twenty-year period from 2001 to 2021, if you were invested in the in the S and P 500 for that entire period of time, your annualized return would have been about nine and a half percent. But if you missed just the twenty best days over that time period, your annualized return was only two point six percent or thereabouts. And you know, there's been this research for many different time periods, and and it's very consistent. The principle being A lot of return comes from a very few number of days. And so if you're trying to time the market and you miss those best days, your return can be substantially reduced.
2: And typically the best days come very closely to the worst days.
1: And so most of the people who experience a really bad day and get scared and sell end up also missing the very best days. And that's the reason why a lot of people who have researched this, I'm thinking specifically of like the Vanguard study, where they researched the value of an advisor has found that behavioral coaching or helping clients stick to their plan is a lot of times one of the most valuable services that an advisor offers. So Steve, we've, we've talked a little bit about what you shouldn't do. What would be the approach that we recommend investors take?
2: Yeah, let me give you an example. You know, imagine I were to offer you an investment that grew from $1 to over $133 over that same time period we've been discussing, from 1980 to 2021. You know, In that same time period, we said gold grew from $1 to a little over $3, and inflation grew about the same. You know, I think most people would love an investment like that, and that investment was the S&P 500. So I would say the best approach is to own productive assets like equities and real estate over the long term that has produced incredible amounts of wealth for people historically.
1: I think those numbers are are amazing. I mean to think, you know, going from one dollar to one hundred and thirty-three dollars, I mean that that sounds unrealistic, but ultimately that's the value of compounding over time. And it, it doesn't mean that the the market's gonna achieve those exact same returns going forward. The idea and the perspective though is owning productive assets, being willing to withstand the volatility and the uncertainty leads to substantially better returns over time. And you don't have to get lucky. You don't have to time the market. You don't have to get in right before it goes up. You just have to be patient and be willing to take the returns that the market gives you and not bail on your plan in the middle of it.
2: Yeah. And some people might argue, well, that's been a great period for the stock market, but think of all of the uncertain things we had during that time period. You know, we had Black Monday in October 1987, where the Dow Jones went down 22% in one day. We had the tech bubble. We had 9-11. We had the Great Recession of 2008, 2009. We had a global pandemic and COVID. You had the lost decade in there, where the S&P 500 actually went down for the first time over a 10-year period. So there was a lot of uncertainty in the market. And regardless, if you would have just bought and hold, you would have turned $1 into $133.
1: And I think that's the important point to think about is that uncertainty, the the very thing that people don't like is the very thing that creates the the better long-term return because people have to be compensated for holding an asset that's more uncertain. If you weren't paid any more for holding, you know, stocks versus treasury bonds, you'd obviously hold the treasury bonds because you know exactly what you're gonna get. Don't have to to worry what it's gonna be worth at at any given point in time. But that's also why treasury bonds don't pay great returns.
2: So Nathan, how do we do this with clients? You know, what would you recommend to a person nearing retirement and you know needing to balance stable income but also holding enough equities and real estate to provide the inflation protection they need?
1: Yeah, you know, I think the key is you have to have the assets that are going to produce the the value over time to protect yourself against inflation. But if you are drawing on your portfolio or you're close to drawing on your portfolio, you need to have a certain amount of stable assets to, number one, cover any distributions that you have coming up over the next three, four, five, six, seven years. Depends on the amount of other income that you have, but generally the market recovers in you know a two-year period. Sometimes it takes five years. Um, sometimes it's take, taken a little bit longer than that don't know what the future is going to hold, but generally if you have some stable assets that you can rely on for a period of time, it allows the other assets time to recover. The other thing is it's important to have an asset allocation that you determine at the very beginning before you're experiencing market volatility that may make you uncomfortable. And you need to stick with that asset allocation and that asset allocation needs to be such that there's enough stable assets there that when the market does fluctuate, it doesn't make you bail on the plan. And some people are more tolerant to that volatility and to that uncertainty than others. Um, But there's some people that just need more stable assets to be able to stick with the plan over time. Ultimately, the goal is to create a plan that you're able to follow through on and not bail on, because if you bail, that's when you lock in your losses. And some people are more More able to withstand that than others. But the important thing is to create a plan that you yourself are able to follow through on ultimately when that volatility and that uncertainty come, because we know from history that it's going to come. It's a matter of being prepared for it before it does.
2: And then I would also add, you know, just doing rebalancing when there's volatility, because then you can actually take advantage of the volatility. And what we mean by rebalancing is when you set your asset allocation in advance and say you know the fixed income piece is now a higher percentage of your whole portfolio because markets have declined, equity markets have declined, you actually pare back that position and buy more equities when it's down in price.
1: And it allows you to basically systematically build in a process to sell high and buy low that isn't impacted by emotions or, or things that tend to make people make the wrong decisions at the wrong time. Okay, so I think that's a good overview of, of what we wanted to cover today. As a, just a recap of, of the topics, you know, ultimately there's a lot of uncertainty going on in the world today and it's very common for people to wonder if they should change their investment strategy. And often a natural response is to look for certainty in an attempt to feel more in control of, of your investments and your future. Investors typically try to do this by going to cash or buying precious metals like gold and by trying to time the market and ultimately none of these approaches have produced results anywhere near what a patient long-term investor in the market has been able to realize over time. And so as unenjoyable and unexciting as it can be to watch your investment balances fluctuate and and stick with a long-term plan, ultimately the best results have been achieved by people who stick it out and are consistently invested over time. Okay, so that's everything we wanted to cover on this episode today. A quick reminder that we publish a blog post on our website covering the same topic where we go through additional details. So if you'd like to learn more, check that out on our website. And the other thing we should mention is if you're interested in making sure that you have an appropriate plan in place and making sure that you avoid the pitfalls that we talked about today, we'd be happy to connect with you. The easiest way to reach out to us is to go to our website and there's a free evaluation button there. And if you click that, That'll give you a link where you can schedule time with us, and we'd be happy to talk through your situation with you and give you any thoughts that we have. Okay, that's all we have for today. Until next time, thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to Your Wealth, Your Legacy by Prairie Wood Wealth Management. If you have comments, questions, or would like to learn more about working with Prairie Wood Wealth Management, we would love to hear from you please visit us at our website, pw-wm.com or email us at service at pw-wm.com. If you find our podcast helpful, leave us a review and share it so others can find us as well. Thanks for listening as we continue our quest to help others keep more of what they make, make more of what they have and create a legacy that will last beyond their lifetime. The information discussed on this podcast is provided for general informational purposes only and does not represent investment, tax, or legal advice. Opinions expressed are those of Prairiewood Wealth Management and are subject to change not guaranteed and should not be considered recommendations to buy or sell any security. While past performance of market results may be discussed, it does not provide any assurance of future performance. The information presented herein has been obtained from sources deemed reliable but is not guaranteed.